Hello and welcome back to The Good, The Bad, and The Neutral, broadcasting to you live from the Sea of Tranquility here on the moon. It is uh, very cold and... Windy for some reason. Yeah, um, also... Who put all this air on the, on the moon? Yeah, and uh, why is the Lithuanian flag here? Oh, I did that. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, Lith pride here. Hello and welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Neutral, the show where we discuss and debate the D&D alignments of fictional characters. My name is Avery. My name is Jack, and we have some fun for you today. So, so go ahead. So it's uh, it's been a minute, and we are very sorry for that. Um, a lot of stuff happened, and we took a minute to sort of step back and think about the podcast and uh, the future of it, and we decided to make a couple of changes. Uh, to begin, we are not rolling on the die anymore. We think it's probably going to be more fun and a little bit better to just do themed episodes all the time. Those are the ones we most enjoy making. Uh, yes. Also, um, in addition to doing episodes themed around specific franchises, uh, we are also going to be doing every third episode will be themed around a specific character the way we did Batman back in April. We're going to be talking about one character and all of their incarnations and trying to place them in every single slot on the alignment chart. I don't know if we're always going to succeed, but we're always going to try. And it's going to be fun. We're really excited. We've got the next six months of stuff planned out for for you. Uh, so we absolutely are not going to stop anytime soon. We're really excited to be here and to be part of this. We are back. My voice is deeper and we are better than ever. It's true. All right, let's get started with today's episode. We are talking about the Mass Effect franchise. Yeah. All right. So we both actually, for the first time in a while, we both have a lot of experience with this franchise. Yes. Usually it's one or the other that kind of knows what's going on. Yes. Uh, I've played the games a lot and uh, gone very deep into the lore and all that. And uh, you've played the games at least once. I have played through the series twice full and then once uh, to about halfway through two. I'm currently in the middle of a playthrough that I haven't really finished yet. I started Legendary Edition. I'm uh, super grateful that the elevators suck less now. It's just <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Um, so why don't you throw us the first character? All right. Today we are going to start with talking about the elusive man. Yeah. It was inevitable. It was. We were going to end up talking about him eventually. All right, so this is your guy, so why don't you tell me a little bit? So the elusive man is a... Uh, it's elusive with an I, by the way. He is elusive in the illusion sense. Um, he is a uh, the head of an organization known as Cerberus. We don't know his real name. We don't know where he is from. All we know is that he has a ton of resources, uh, a lot of money and power, and he is uh, backed by several very like additionally powerful people and he is very wholeheartedly personally dedicated to the cause of human supremacy uh, both in uh, the galactic stage but also in within humanity he believes that humanity should be uh, uh, looking towards its own interests before trying to deal with other other causes um, he is noteworthy the uh, the supporter of the control ending uh, and you can discover him to be um, indoctrinated. Uh, spoilers for a 10-year-old franchise. Um, but that is genuinely no fault of his own, and I'm not going to hold that against him. Um, okay, okay, we might hold it against him a little bit. Um, so I, this being my character, I think I should go first. Uh, I am going to say that the elusive man is lawful neutral. Mm. Because he is not a government figure. He is a, he, he's never, like, espoused to be part of a structure, a power structure, 
beyond his own organization, and he rules his organization with an iron fist, but he is uh, a genuinely a man of his word. Um, he, like, gives you quite a bit of control over your mission in, into. Uh, he doesn't, like, actively, uh, 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 like, go against you up up until you, like, personally uh, 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 disavow yourself from his organization. Um, I think that uh, his dealings in 3 uh, can at least partially be attributed to his indoctrination. Uh, I, I mean, I, I understand that's a hard a hard sell because we are talking about his actions and his behaviors, and you can't really differentiate between his behaviors from two from three by saying, oh, he was indoctrinated in two, clearly those weren't his, per or in three, rather, clearly those weren't his actual behaviors. Um, I actually don't even need to argue about the indoctrination to tell you why I disagree with you. Hit me. I think you've bought into the elusive man's propaganda. That's entirely possible. Um, I think he is neutral evil. Hit me. That man is a liar. Oh. That man lies to you constantly. And the it doesn't really get super revealed until three. When you're at the Cerberus base and you're looking at all of the um, the videos of the elusive man in the past, the elusive man set up so much of the stuff that happens to you in two, like when um, the Vermeer survivor shows up on Horizon, that was something that was like maybe like unexpected, not like totally planned, but he's like, good, it keeps them separated from the Alliance. And then, like, he deliberately sets up Shepard with the nicest Cerberus people in order to get Shepard on his side. And then, um, he also, like, lies to you constantly. He's like, oh no, like, we're just trying to save humanity from the collectors, but he's, like, so obsessed with getting collector data. Like, to the point where Miranda Lawson, his single most loyal, uh, soldier, defects from him because she is lawful aligned and sees how much of a duplicitous little, like, gremlin he is. I think he's evil because he is deeply selfish and will do just about anything to get ahead, and he lies constantly both to people that he is, that are supposed to trust him and people he's not he doesn't care about and he is not lawful again because he lies all the time also anyone who employs kai lang is not a good is not an is, is an evil person because like that man is a crazy person you know like the fact that the the fact that the elusive man has wheels within wheels within wheels like if you take a lawful evil character i find that like they might lie to the people that they um like don't trust but it's always like an exact words kind of situation where if you think hard enough you can see what they're trying to actually say to you the elusive man is just a liar all right i'll concede uh <laughs> Uh, I got, I, I... You bought into the server's propaganda. I, I must have, I guess. Um, I mean, you make a very good point. Um, I was taking what he said and did at face value and not looking into the deeper parts of it, and that is, shame on me, it's, it's been a while since we've done this. Uh, that is, like, part and parcel for this, this, uh, uh, this project of ours, so... Uh, I will say, though, that does, uh, show testament to the elusive man's writing. Yes! Because you really do, especially in 2, especially in 2, before you see in 3 how much of a monster he actually is, you want to believe him. Yeah. You want to believe him so bad. Even if you know, like, deep in your heart that he is a monster, that he, or that Cerberus is definitely terrible, you, he sets it up in a really fascinating way that you do want to believe him. Yeah, um, I, I did. I did. I, I believed him, and I'm sorry for that. All right, so the elusive man? Uh, neutral evil. Yeah.
It does raise an interesting question with indoctrination, though, because something I've noticed with it, this is not really about the instant of man, this is an interesting thought about indoctrination, sure. is that all it really does is sort of take the things about you that are already true and amplify them in a direction that serves the Reapers. Right. Like, Saren, genu- like, he joined up with the Reapers because he ended up believing that the Reapers, A, that would give him power because he's just a monster, and also because he thought you genuinely couldn't win against them. Right. And he was just going to side with the big guys, which is something that's very on brand. Meanwhile, the elusive man was convinced that he could control the Reapers because, like, he is that kind of guy. Yeah. It's honestly terrifying in, like, a really exciting way from a writing perspective. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the second character. I want to talk about Liara. Uh, Liara is a character that is in all three games. It's only in two if you get the DLC, which is deeply tragic. Oh, she is in two, but she doesn't get to do much unless you get the DLC. Um, Liara begins as sort of a young, naive researcher into the Protheans. Uh, She kind of attaches herself to Shepard, develops a crush on them, makes it very awkward for everyone. And then Shepard dies. And and after Shepard dies, Liara becomes sort of a information broker, uh, gets a lot darker, and through the DLC ends up becoming the shadow broker, who you've heard about and dabbled with and basically knows everything all the time. Again, spoilers for a decade-year-old game. Yeah, we've never made it a secret that there are spoilers in this show. That's true. Uh, and then in the third game, you find her on Mars doing Mars stuff, uh, research into the Reapers, and she joins your party and uses her skills as the Shadow Broker and is a very powerful biotic to help you fight the Reapers. Um, Liara is a complicated figure, I think. Agreed. I think she's, uh, she's neutral, I think, because she spends quite a bit of time flaying people alive with her mind. Uh, can I hit you with something? Yeah. I think she's chaotic neutral. Okay, show your work. Um, so chaotic neutral is is in in the balance sense in the you're not evil and you're not good because you do enough of both to get away with it uh she is a very ends justifies the means kind of person especially as the series progresses um chaotic neutral in in general really defines itself as being um either uh too careless to to be bothered with morality or so fixated on what you're doing that you discard morality in in the sense that uh, uh it no longer becomes part of of the equation for you. And I think that's where Liara falls. I think she's very much in the, I will do anything to save uh, mankind, to save uh, the my, my people, my, my species, uh, to stop the Reapers. Um, and and she sort of loses herself from the like naive uh, researcher from one where she becomes this like absolute, like uh, uh, this absolute, you know, genius of, of, of information broking, brokering, um, where she has the data on everyone She's got, uh, you know, spies on everyone. Um, I think the really, the really, like, the thing that really clinches it for me is that in 2, when you defeat the original Shadow Broker, um, and she becomes the new Shadow Broker, she doesn't change anything. She doesn't fix, she doesn't stop, like, spying on her friends. She doesn't, like, erase any of the the really, like, like, a, a chaotic good person would erase the really, like, invasive data. And a chaotic evil person would probably also erase the really invasive data, but for entirely different reasons but she's just she's just keeping it just in case it's in her back pocket forever so I think you're right. And I think the reason that it was hard for me was because I was considering her from the perspective of human society in mm. Mass Effect. And I don't think you can do that. I think you have to consider her uh, in terms of her alignment of law versus chaos in the context of Asari society. Okay. Because what we know about the Asari society is that they are the most ridiculously structured, rigid, bureaucratic thing. Like when you go to Ilium, you have to fill out like 8,000 forms. Or like you look at um, Samara, who has this like very, very strict, specific code, because that's just kind of like the way that's 
society is. And I was initially reluctant to call Liara chaotic because I'm like, oh, she doesn't feel that chaotic to me. But when you consider it in the context of the society she came from and the mm-hmm. society she still considers herself a part of, I think you're absolutely right. I think that uh, Liara's chaos levels are like very in line with that when you consider the society that she comes from yeah the 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 chaos she achieves based on her like her her upbringing where she was you know in a very rigid structured uh, lawful society and she's like i'm gonna do a chaos and then she does the cat thing of like pushing a cup off of a uh, <laughs> off of a table i love liara i think she's a really interesting complicated character i know that a lot of people have a problem with her because she's like very clearly kind of a creator pet kind of situation i mean i romanced her in two out of my three playthroughs. I, I love her to delightful. death. She's super cool and she has some really cool development. All right, so Liara. Chaotic neutral. All right, who's next? Legion. Ah. Let's talk about Legion. Our little robo boy. So we can't talk about Legion without talking about the Geth as a whole because Legion is one part of a very large machine, pun intended. Um, Legion is in two and for parts of three, uh, your ally from the Geth Collective. It is through Legion that you discover that the majority of the Geth have no animosity towards their their creators uh, and that it is only the Geth that have been indoctrinated uh, that are actively hostile style towards you. Uh, Legion is a battle platform, a, a roughly humanoid battle platform of the Geth that is uh, given the knowledge and personality and and uh, memories of the various Geth that have fought against uh, Shepard in order to protect Shepard and defend Shepard and, and create this alliance between uh, the Geth and Shepard's interest because the, the, the non-heretic uh, Geth believe that Shepard can help them save all life in the galaxy. And they're right. Um, Legion in particular is unique because uh, they are uh, disconnected from the rest of the Geth collective. Uh, and they, though they have thousands of programs operating within their body at once, uh, they are not connected to the rest of the, the hive mind. They are a single uh, uh, being uh, which does have a soul. I do actually have to correct you sure. in that um, the way that the Geth hive mind actually works is that it works on a proximity basis. Okay. So uh, technically any Geth that's by themselves is disconnected from the Geth Collective uh, because the Geth sort of, when they stray close to each other and they let each other in that way, like, that's why the more Geth you have in a space, the smarter they become. Right. Um, also, if I recall correctly, the Reaper-fied Geth are actually not, like, the majority. No, of course. I didn't yeah. mean to imply that they were. I um, I don't know if you did, I think. Uh, I'll, I'll listen back at this and then I'll be like, hmm, what did I say? Uh, but, like, there are a huge collection of Geth that are staying behind the Perseus Vale and just trying to, like, live their lives. Right. Um, which is interesting because they're not a lot. But Legion does have a soul. 100%. Yes. Um, Legion is perhaps most interesting because uh, they are the bridge between um, Geth society and, and uh, organic society. In 3, uh, you learn that the other Geth, like, personal, personalize and, and humanize Legion to a degree that they don't do with normal Geth. Um, which is really interesting, because, like, you get to a scene where you're talking to this Geth Colossus, and it's like, yeah, Legion spoke highly of you. And it's using, like, Legion's name and, 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 and identity as though Legion were a singular unit, which is really cool. 
Um, Bioware really likes this trope, I think. Um, there's a character in Star Wars The Old Republic, uh, whose name I cannot remember right now, but he uh, is a joiner. So he is like part of the click hive mind, but he joins your uh, team as an Imperial agent. And he sort of like, as he's separated from the collective in that way, like he can connect to the hive mind still, but as he's separated, he starts becoming more of a, like an individual person. And it raises this really interesting question of like, can you belong to a collective like that and still be an individual person? Person. And in Sw in Swotor, I think it actually comes down hard on no. And like, it depends on your choices, but it does, I think, largely come down on no. And in Mass Effect, it sort of comes down on yes. I agree. Especially with the Quarians, who are individuals that sort of also feel like a, a quote-unquote hive mind. Yeah, they're a collective. Everything they do is for the the fleet. Yeah. Um, It's a really interesting thought. I could spend a lot of time on it. That's not what this podcast is about. Yes. So I'm going to hit up, uh, I'm going to call Legion neutral good. Mm. Um, I think that geth processes by the, by nature of the fact that they have to be reached by consensus the consensus sort of eliminates the need for laws if everyone is on the same page no one is breaking any laws because you all agree that what's what's being done is what to be done um and in that sense legion doesn't really have a moral code in terms of the law chaos alignment uh because the concept of law and chaos is alien to him them um uh, i continue to use they them pronouns for legion because that is correct and anyone who disagrees can fight me behind the Denny's at 3 p.m. tomorrow. Um, Which Denny's? Yes. Uh, so I think Legion is neutral good. I was honestly going to say lawful good earlier in this podcast, and I changed my mind. Um, I think it is unambiguous that Legion is a good person. Um, I think that we don't even have to, like, go over that. They are, uh, actively pursuing the cause of, uh, freedom for both their people and the people that attempted to kill their people, which is, like, really respectful in, in the sense of, like, a revolutionary or, or, uh, uh you know, an agent of, of change. Uh, to be interested in the, the freedom and autonomy and, and, and liberty of both your own people and the people that oppressed your people. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any responses? I think your first instinct was right. I think Legion is lawful good. Hit and me. the reason I think that is because Legion is always trying to reach out and negotiate with the Quarians, with Shepard. Uh, they are, like, they want to be a part of greater galactic society. And they do so by trying to approach on their terms. Like, you know what I said uh, when we talked about um, someone else? Uh, when I mentioned that uh, anyone trying to work within the society that needs change is by definition lawful good. But I disagree in the sense that Legion isn't trying to work within the society that needs change. Legion is trying to create a new society. Legion is trying to, because if, if Legion wanted to work within the society that needs change, then I think the, the Geth Collective would attempt to, like, come to the, the fleet, the migrant fleet, and attempt to, like, stand trial for their crimes against Corps people, but they don't. They 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 attempt to offer the Quarians their homeworld, uh, and 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 attempt to you know work together to to create this system that works for both of them. And in doing so, they they insist on by de by definition destroying the old system. Here's the thing, though: is um, the Geth don't believe they did anything wrong, and also they're right. The Geth did nothing wrong. Um, <clears throat> when you learn about the Geth history, what they say essentially is that they asked a question and began to get massacred. And instead of attacking, like they did to defend themselves, but they left. Their big thing was just, we need to get out of here. Like we need to protect ourselves. And then they never chased after them. Like the whole point was just preserving what they, like trying not to die. Okay. Well, we're not talking about the Quor uh, the, the Quarian and the, the Geth as 
a whole, we're talking about Legion specific. Yes, um, that's true. And Legion wants to negotiate. Like, think of them as, don't think of them as, um, a group that committed a crime. Think of them as two sides at war. Uh, because that's, at least, that's how I think of them. I'm sorry. I don't mean to impose that thought on you. But he's negotiating peace. They're negotiating peace. (laughs) They use he, him pronouns in the game. It just kind of happens. That's because Bioware's cowards. It's true, they are. Uh, they are cowards, but they, they attempt to negotiate. Like, they're using Shepard as a bridge to sort of, cr- like, create a ceasefire and an armistice because they both consider Rannoch their home. And Legion doesn't cave and attack Shepard until it becomes absolutely clear that the only other option is to completely wipe out their people. I don't think we're going to come to a consensus on this one. I think it's just... I a know. consensus? I think it's just going to be one of the few that we disagree on. I think Legion is neutral good. That's legit. Um, what do you guys think? I'm really interested in hearing uh if we if you send us a response we might read it on the podcast yes please we would love to hear from you guys um also because we feel bad that and we want to make sure that you're still listening to us (laughs) please um so legion is either lawful or neutral good all right, uh, last one for the day. Yeah, um, so I'm gonna kind of branch out a little bit, and I want to talk about Zaid. Zaid. Some of you might not know who Zaid is, uh, because you didn't have EA's silly, like, didn't get the DLC for him, which is fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's fine. Zaid is a mercenary that you get through uh, DLC because Cerberus just kind of gives him to you, and all he really wants to do is get revenge on the guy that betrayed him and took his eye, and I believe he took his eye. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, ruined his life as a mercenary, uh, left him for dead. And so his loyalty mission is to go do that, to go kill that guy. And when you do, you're given the choice of, like, because he, I believe his name is Vigo. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't really matter. He's not very important, but Vigo. Uh, he sets on fire a refinery where a bunch of workers are. And you're given the choice of whether to go save the workers or chase after this mercenary. And if you go save the workers and your paragon isn't like through the roof, you don't get Zaid's loyalty because you don't get his revenge. Yeah. Um, overall, he's just a very like rough and tumble mercenary guy. Um, he is always talking about the people that he's killed and like tends to consider violence a pretty good answer to most things. Um, and the reason I want to talk about him is because of that really interesting uh, pivot point because everyone else, like with Tali, when you uh, do the thing that she asks you not to do, you don't get her loyalty, but that's not an evil act like you and there are plenty of ways around it right but with Zaid unless you you are very lucky you won't get his loyalty right if you do the good thing he he actively hates you for doing the objectively morally good thing right because he's not there for moral goodness he's there to kill man yeah um I want to say Zaid is lawful evil okay I don't know how I feel about that decision okay um I say he's lawful evil because he's a mercenary sure which means that he kind of follows mercenary rules Sure. And as a result is roughly lawful aligned in that he obeys mercenary codes. Sure. But he's also a bad guy. Like, he just is. The fact that he gets mad at you for saving a bunch of refinery workers instead of letting him get his revenge and do a, ma- like, do a killing. Like, I can understand if he disagrees with you. There are plenty of, uh... Player, there are plenty of crewmates that disagree with you if you make the choice that's sort of against what they want to be doing. Like, look at Garrus's uh, loyalty mission. And he eventually comes around, but that's because he's a good man. Um, but with Zaid, 
indeed, he never forgives you because you didn't let him kill a guy. So I, I think lawful evil, because he does stay with you, you know? Like, he doesn't leave because you hired him, but he absolutely hates you. Hard to say. Oh, tell me. I think he's chaotic evil. Okay. And I think he's chaotic evil for the same reason that I think the archetypal chaotic evil character is Nico Bellic from Grand Theft Auto 4. You have a man whose existence is defined by survival. Uh, a man whose personal moral code is, I will do anything to stay alive and stay on top and stay successful. Anything. Um, that means letting go of, of innocence letting go of people he cares about. Uh, that means, like, uh, like, like anything to see the next day with a gun in hand and a full stomach. Um, and I think, uh, uh and I, I do want to talk about Nico Bellic at some point as my archetypal chaotic evil character, um, when we eventually get around to doing the What Does Alignment Mean to Us podcast, which is coming. Guys, keep an ear out for that one. Um, but I also think that the existence of loyalty to a code does not make you lawful. It means that you are willing to put the if 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 the code tells you that you have to do lawful things and if you don't follow the code you'll die that doesn't make you lawful he is following the code because it gives him better opportunities to be successful and to to survive uh and that is the in my opinion the only reason he he adheres to a code he does he does stick with you after his loyalty mission regardless of if you've gotten his loyalty or not uh i think part of that is just game convention they can't just not give you a player character you paid for. Um, but also, I do think that um, I do think that he's capable of setting, of seeing the bigger picture, just as a sort of personality quirk. That he is willing to accept that the Reapers are a bigger threat, or at the very least, that the Collectors are a bigger threat uh, to his life than than you are, uh, and is willing to set aside his his disgust for you personally to successfully uh, defeat the Reapers. And I think it's to its to to his credit. Uh, I think I. I would like him less if he were if I considered him lawful um, because there is a certain amount of respect for uh, someone who has that sort of amoral uh, uh, drive towards survival at all costs. Uh, I have a couple of things. Okay. Uh, the first is that, like, I genuinely, I consider mechanics to be narrative. Um, like, the fact that Zaid stays with you in a story-based game, you have to come up with a narrative reason for that. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, like, that's still true. Like, it's not like the game says Zaid should leave you, but you need to, but you paid for it. You paid for this. <laughs> um, I am willing to compromise to neutral evil, and the reason I won't go further is because of the suicide. Okay. Zaid, if you don't have his loyalty... Like, he actually has a decent chance of surviving because he's tanky, but he, it's a suicide mission. Yeah. And they make that absolutely clear yeah. in the in the framing, both mechanically and narratively. Yeah. And Zaid still goes. And this is like, this is not like, you know, I des Zaid is desperately needed or you're all gonna die situation. And Shepard is like straight up, like if you guys, like this is a suicide mission, like you guys don't have to do this. And if Zaid were chaotic evil, I think his response would have been to leave. I will counter with one, of my favorite tropes. Even evil has loved ones. You have genuinely earned his respect by the end of the game. Not if you don't have his loyalty. Mm, that's true. Um, I I'll concede to neutral evil, but only in the sense, only in the the uh, in the uh, interest of reaching a consensus. <laughs> no, if you don't agree, then you I don't think agree. He's chaotic evil. I think he is too amoral, too completely disgusted with the concept of morals to be neutral evil. At least a neutral evil person is aware of and work willing to work within the concept of morals in order to get 
get to like achieve their aims but he just like disregards them altogether it's like it's honestly impressive that they managed to write such a uh, 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 such a like morally ambiguous or not, not even ambiguous an amoral character and still have them be a good party member and a, a loyal party member for you if he was amoral though wouldn't he be chaotic neutral no uh no I disagree with that um because uh your actions define your your uh, uh your morality and not your your uh in uh, your intentions uh it's the same reason I consider Stalin to have been chaotic evil that's fair uh and I think we've talked about that before people in power people in power have a much well well no not that um that is part of it um look this one up guys uh, Joseph Stalin, uh, in the early, early days of the Bolshevik movement, someone came to a Bolshevik meeting and said, hey, we're out of money. And without being asked, Joseph Stalin went out and robbed a bank. Wow. Yeah, he has zero moral structure whatsoever. He doesn't even seem to be aware of the concept of morals. And that's what I think Zaid uh, really personifies. I think he is, he's definitely aware of the concept of morals. He's a person. Uh, he's not like a, a, a gremlin made for video game purposes. He's not a murder hobo. Um, but he is like like, very detached from the concept of morals, and I think that makes him more chaotic than it does neutral, because, again, a neutral evil person is willing to work within the concept or within the structure of morality, whereas Zaid seems to, like, disregard and be disgusted by morals altogether. See, and the reason I disagree, I think, is because, like, I'm thinking about the society he considers himself a part of, which is being a mercenary. And, like, when you're a mercenary, you have the code of, like, you know, you see a job through to the end, you, like, you know, you don't ask questions, and I think Zaid still respects that to some extent. I think he's more than willing to um, defer from that when, like, he is prioritizing survival. But I think for the most part, like, maybe just because it's easy. But doesn't that deference kind of prove my point, though? Like, he's not following the code of, uh, of, of law when it becomes hard. He's immediately discarding it the moment it becomes convenient. And that, like, again, actions define you more than your, uh, your intentions. Just because he means to follow the code most of the time doesn't make him lawful or, or even neutral because he is discarding it the moment it becomes difficult. But I think that's what neutral sort of is, is like, I'll follow the law when I can, but when that con conflicts with my personal desires or my personal, like, want to do good or want to do bad, then I will discard it. I guess we just disagree on what neutral evil looks like. I guess. Um, let me know what you guys think. Yes, please. Uh, I'm sticking with chaotic, uh, chaotic evil. I, I think neutral is my go. I, like, I see the reading for chaotic. Yeah. Uh, I am discarding the lawful evil reading completely, and I'm curious to see what you guys think. Yeah, please do tell us about it. Uh, that is our show for the day. Real fast. Sure. I do have an email. Oh! From forever ago. We have an email from forever ago. So, my good friend Mac, uh, from college, has pointed out something about our John Mulaney episode. Okay. Uh, we said he was true neutral as sort of a, an outside observer, yeah. but uh, what he said is, Avery and Jack, I feel you missed an important element when discussing John Mulaney. Doesn't his assassination of Princess Diana affect his alignment? Uh, and Mac, I think you forget that he had an airtight alibi he being did. in Wisconsin and, and 12. 12. Yeah. And the TV was warm. Like, you, 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 you I think, are framing this young man. <laughs> this, he's, I mean, he's almost 40 now. Um, and also, <laughs> I think uh, the, the fact that I thought about that email forever uh, today after a long break means that uh, that made me smile in a big way. So thank you, Mac. Uh, and uh, Mac also does a podcast, but uh, he keeps asking me to reach out to collaborate, and I keep forgetting to get back to him. So if you're if you're watching this, Mac, if you're listening, I do still want to work with you. All right. Uh, so that was our show today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I have been Jack. I've been Avery. Uh, this has been a production of We're Not Doing Batman Productions. That's Water, Nerf, Defy. 
Fire Air Productions. Uh, if you would like to reach out to us, please contact us at wndbproductions at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you guys, and we are back for the long haul. You guys, we're so excited to be here. I just want to take a second to thank our patrons, uh, Liam, Laura, Lena, and Sam. You guys, uh, like, just to get briefly very real about it, uh, the fact that we were gone for so long and you guys still continued to back us, uh, especially Laura, who started backing us, like, in the middle of the long hiatus. <laughs> like, the fact that you guys believe in us and you're interested in what we have to put out and like that means the entire world to me uh we're gonna really crack down and try to uh be super on board with on point with scheduling and uh if we like uh scheduling willing and timing willing we are gonna have something special up for just the patrons uh in the next couple of months as a thank you all right have a good day guys see you soon